2: I think once the phone call was over, uh, I just, I genuinely felt this overwhelming sense of relief and in a good way, this kind of like, what do I do now? Tom Hannifin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, uh, it's a weird week. We're coming up to the biggest weekend in wrestling of the year. We're coming off of the weird Will Smith Chris Rock thing. <laughs> uh, it's been a, it's been a hell of a week, and we're, and I'm not even in Dallas yet, so this should be fun.
3: I think that it's been, it's been my favorite build to, uh, to uh, WrestleMania weekend is, is Chris Rock and Will Smith fighting at the Oscars. That's my favorite part of the build so far. It's been, it's it's been that. Part-
2: I woke up uh, and my timeline on Twitter was just everything's Will Smith. Everybody's got a reaction, a take on it. And the odd thing is that in the wrestling world, I am part of this select group of people who've been slapped also on live TV by Stephanie McMahon in particular. So we're all just kind of like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big deal, you know? (laughs) But no, it's it's kind of insane.
3: Outside of uh, like our wrestling bubble, like seeing something like that is, is wild. Like what? what's what's your two cents on, on the whole thing? It was, it
2: was just bizarre because like I watched so many playbacks because it was like, I, I found it funny uh, at first, but like it's any situation that if you're in a relationship, regardless, whatever, you have been in that situation where somebody maybe says something funny about your partner, you laugh, you look over, oh no, that didn't land with them. Now I have to, uh, you know, whatever. And that was well past that line. So uh, I didn't even think the joke was that crazy. I understand the thing about Jada as, a, as Alpecia, unfortunately. I thought the G.I. Jane thing wasn't even that like grotesque of a joke or anything. thought it was pretty pedestrian, you know, Chris
3: Rock being Chris Rock. You just never you never know what went on before or whatever with either of them that got to that point. I feel like it's more than just a crap joke. Like I think there's, there's
2: a lot happening in that household, yeah. Yeah,
3: there's a lot going on there, and as I say, it's a spicy build-up to uh, a massive week in wrestling. Uh, to see who's yes. to. Um, for you, it's multiverse of matches, and I heard you chatting to Renee back in January on the sessions, and and you, you know you you're buzzing to be working alongside Delo Brown, and you guys do wonderful things, and Delo's great at uh, what he does. But all of a sudden, you find yourself uh, like star lovers find each other. You're back with Matt Rowell again. You too, once again. <laughs> doing your yeah. thing how did when did you find out that you and matt were getting paired back together
2: uh let's see so like honor no more took out d the first night i was doing an official taping for impact wrestling so i was like just kind of getting used to this and by getting my feet on the ground and that's kind of the oldest thing in wrestling is like do you feel comfortable okay great everything's about to change so uh it was the next taping we did in fort lauderdale probably the week leading up to that it was uh just like oh yeah you're probably gonna work with matthew raywalt for this you know uh, D-Lo's still out and I was like oh man okay but like I'd worked with Ray Walt before so I was like great love d and I love Ray Walt and ironically I- I'd worked with Ray Walt in the United Kingdom on NXT UK I'd worked with him on 205 Live as well so we had a great rapport so I was like okay this should be an easy transition and the fun thing about that taping is that Ray Walt hadn't done like a consistent taping in like two years because of the pandemic because of all his other obligations wrestling so it was much uh you know both of us kind of getting back on the bike so to speak and I feel like we've hit a nice groove as of late so I'm really excited to see what we can continue to do for uh continue to do for impact
3: we've got loads to talk about with impact multiverse of matches coming up this weekend and we'll get into that in a bit but we are here uh Tom before we do anything else to send you onto a metaphorical desert island because you know what the one thing we need after the last two years is more isolation so (laughs) 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 <laughs> the best. The best. <laughs> so, especially you, can...
2: you guys, you guys have had it almost worse than oh, us in America,
3: mate. The day the pubs reopened was it might as well have been Christmas.
2: I love I see... a British pub.
3: Oh, My favorite thing in the world. What you? What would you order in a British pub? what's it what's uh, is
2: it state? is it sacrilege to get guinness i mean nah, I, I'm a, you're good good wonderful yeah i i'm my family's part irish so i love a good guinness and it doesn't travel well here to the united states as i'm sure you're aware so yeah guinness uh, tastes would weird over there anything. yeah it's weird it's like bad coffee i, I yeah. don't understand it it's the nitrogen balance i don't know but yeah i'd be getting a guinness and fish and chips in a heartbeat
3: nice i like it that'll work that'll work but when they but yeah when we when everything shut down here like it's one thing to have like a, a deadly pandemic that's r- that rips through the planet but hang on you're shutting the pubs what what are we supposed to do this is all we that's do central business what it's are esen- you doing yeah exactly it's essential the day the day everything reopened uh i, I, I had the afternoon off and i went right we need to find a pub because you had to then book to go to a pub because they were still just opening but opening only outside Bits. So you had to book to go to a pub. We've got a fight, and we, me, and my good lady. We we looked for about half an hour to find a pub that still had seats for two. We eventually found one, and it was oh, it was like the nectar of the gods that day, drinking a draft oh, beer. Oh, it was gosh. the nectar of the gods, Tom.
2: That had to be a good day.
3: Oh. oh it was the best day. But look, we're here to put you on an island away from sure. pubs once again. Um, you're gonna pick three wrestling matches to watch whilst you're there that have special significance, and as we go through the podcast today, we will talk about them one by one by one, and we'll talk about other stuff in between. Uh, but let's get us started. Your first wrestling match. What would you like that to be, Tom?
2: Um, I think I'll start with the the first wrestling match that hooked me in terms of being a professional wrestling fan. Uh, WrestleMania 2000, the origins of what we now know as the tables, ladders, and chairs match at that point called the triangle ladder match. The Dudleys against the Hardys versus Edge and Christian. Um, absolute car wreck of a match, but it was fantastic. Um it really hooked me because uh, so I'm a Philadelphia guy. I only became aware of ECW. I was too late to the party just because of my age. And my parents weren't really cool with me watching wrestling. So you can imagine that product wasn't necessarily being like given the green light. So watching that, I then kind of doubled back and started doing my homework and realizing, Oh yeah, there's this whole revolution of more physical extreme wrestling, including weapons, et cetera. So uh, it illuminated a lot of things, but the thing that was really special for me in my time in WWE and even now in Impact Wrestling is that I've gotten to work with every person that was involved in that match, which is bizarre. Like to be watching that as a kid at a friend's house, you know, who got the pay-per-view and all of a sudden just being like, Oh, wow. Like these guys are going to be, you know, I'm going to be rubbing elbows with these guys. I have an inside joke with Devon Dudley. You know, I got to, work with edge and christian at different points during my time in wwe um you know shared the backstage with the hardy boys you know it's like that's insane to me so it's been really cool to have that situation because so many people the old adage is like don't meet your heroes i'm like i met everybody in that match and um, i'm glad i did
3: so you watched it at a friend's house you say
2: yeah so uh i've mentioned this on other podcasts my parents were not okay with me watching wrestling when i was Mm. a kid so i was born in 1989 so i really only started becoming aware of wrestling kind of the late 90s early 2000s so you can imagine around that time ecw starting to dwindle um i only really became aware of ecw because of the invasion angle which is insane to think Mm -hmm. and philly was right in my backyard as uh, obviously so um i was just kind of getting aware of things and every once in a while I could go down to the basement when everybody was asleep and I could watch Monday Night Raw, you know, with the volume all the way down and everybody thought I was asleep and I was like, oh, okay, great. So I wasn't staying up to speed on the storylines and what events were happening. It was just, you know, getting it when I could get it. And I remember uh, one of my friends uh, down the street, whose name was Dave, was like, I ordered the pay per view for WrestleMania. And I was like, oh, great. And, you know, I was like, hey, mom, going I go over to Dave's house? I went over to Dave's house <laughs> and watching this just devastation at, at WrestleMania 2000 I was like this is the coolest thing ever and then as I became educated within the business I realized like how awful that match must have been on their bodies oh God, and I'm yeah. sitting there being like this is fun and now like I can't <laughs> watch stuff like that as intensively because I just feel bad for everybody involved and I have friends in the business so I care about their health obviously far
3: more but at the time you're a kid and you're like this is great. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's an amazing match, and as you say, like as a a Philadelphia kid, not being aware of ECW. uh, So, but you, you were recently there. You're at the 2300 Arena recently for Impact. That must have. whilst you weren't with ECW first time round, there must have still felt special to do the show at the 2300.
2: It was really cool, and like everybody had given me a heads up of like what the venue's like, and this is a lot of history, uh, getting to talk to, to Rhino through the day who performed on those shows, just the sense of history. And it was also really cool to just see impact wrestling fit right into the 2300 arena. And I don't know if you could have said that about impact, maybe five, 10 years ago. It's just amazing how the the company, the product has evolved over 20 years. We forget that impact wrestling has been around for 20 years. So for It to fit right into the 2300, and then also, you know, like I mentioned, I just kind of grew up in a household where it was like, Yeah, wrestling's probably not for you. It was the attitude era, I was like, Okay, great. Uh, but to be able to check that off my bucket list, the 2300 arena right in my backyard, I was like, I have to do this, so it was really, really special. And uh, I'm excited for fans to see uh, some of the other things that we taped at the 2300 arena because in the next month, you'll get to see that on Access TV and there was some really special stuff that came out of that so I was very proud of that
3: this is what's incredible about about impact wrestling and and it's 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 never knowingly understated but it's the fact that in the past three or four months like you've had uh, impact working with WWE you have that constant relationship with with New Japan you've recently had a, a relationship with AEW and you're in the ECW arena and not a single bit of it feels out of place or above a station or below a station. It all just feels like it belongs. Impact is kind of like this perfect center of the universe wrestling promotion.
2: Yeah, it's uh, I've, I've described it before, especially from a commentary perspective, is that like I'm operating in wrestling commentary nirvana. I can talk <laughs> about anything because we address everything. Impact has a rich history of men and women who have not only contributed within impact, but heavily in other companies. So why wouldn't I mention the AJ Styles of the world, for instance, the Samoa Joes, etc.? It only adds to the legacy. And then at the same time, at the multiverse of matches, you're going to see representation from New Japan, Ring of Honor, uh, pro wrestling Noah for Eddie Edwards, who refuses to identify with Impact Wrestling. Um, You're also going to see the NWA represented. So it's all these promotions in this big melting pot. And I think it's a credit to the management at Impact Wrestling. The open door policy is real. We all talk about the forbidden door and all that stuff. It's an open door policy. And I love the perspective that, hey, if we can do some good business, let's do it.
3: I know um, when you were starting out watching the triangle ladder match with Dave, there were no plans to, to get into the wrestling world. But I know broadcast journal was, journalism was something on your horizon. So at that point when you were at Penn State, what was the end goal going to be for you then when you were doing broadcast journalism
2: i think at the time i was definitely looking towards getting into working at you know a conventional sports network you know the dream being espn something of that ilk uh and covering college football i am you know it's all over my social media i'm a huge football junkie especially college football uh biggie and i are constantly going back and forth about that sort of stuff so i loved college football at that time. So I was like, I want to make this my job. And then shortly after college ended, I think I was like anybody who it's like, okay, you have a goal, but you might need to, you know, get a job <laughs> at the same time. So I was calling college basketball, I was calling college football and this opportunity with WWE came up and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I audition, I threw my hat in the ring and I was like, I'd be a fool not to give this a go and see where a billion dollar company could take me. And I'm so grateful that I uh, got lucky and and took that opportunity, took that leap. Um, But it's been fascinating for me. And it's why I was so uh, touched and so humbled to have any sort of opportunity with ESPN radio this year, because it's something that me as a kid dreamed of finally came to fruition. And if you'd have told me, oh, you're going to take this path to get there, I never would have believed you. So it's just continuing to plug away on that, man. It's still a dream of mine.
3: Yeah, WWE at twenty three. Out of interest, how did the Billings Mustang baseball team take it when you oh, you, were, you were about that close, that close <laughs> to, to get in there yeah. before WWE? I'm trying to remember
2: goal. what happened. I think I made it to the second round of interviews, and they had responded to me and said, "Uh, you know, thank you, but we're you know, you didn't make the next cut." And I was like, oh, "Okay." And then maybe like a week, two weeks later, the uh, the email advertisement about the WWE opening had came out so uh they had already passed on me so I was glad that WWE became a, I'm glad that opened up yeah well,
3: they watched they they what they would have watched telly for several weeks after that and gone what a terrible terrible why why, did we why did we do we pass why do we miss on
2: this guy stuck Furious. in Montana yes yeah.
3: someone not want to Billings mustangs getting sacked for that but uh you so at 23 it's no age at all and you said yourself like you had you had little little experience in a lot of the areas that they needed so what do you think it was about your application that made them go let's let's get this guy in a
2: great I, that's a great question that's a great question um i i'm think, not saying you
3: didn't deserve it i'm just intrigued I, I, yeah to I, like... don't wanna, I, I don't
2: want to i don't want to say oh i did one thing so great um i think you'd have to ask uh it's ironic josh matthews is now my producer for impact wrestling i did my audition at wwe with josh matthews so maybe that's a question for him maybe he doesn't remember at all <laughs> because it was just some random day of the week um but yeah i I don't know if, if I had to say anything, I always felt like I had decent play-by-play chops from when I was in school. I kind of dabbled in that for most of Penn state, most of my college career in a variety of different sports. So when I went into the audition, I prepared heavily for the play-by-play side of things. I did not feel good about the, um, the proverbial 32nd pitch like, I hand you a broom and make me want to buy this or something like that. The old Wolf of wall street kind of gimmick. So, I felt good about the play by play. I didn't feel great about it, but I was like I did enough research here and I have a fix on what I think they're looking for that I felt like I'd done enough and I guess I did enough. So, uh, who knows.
3: So, what was that interview process then? So, it was so as you say it was um you you do a bit of play by play and you do a pitch. And is it because obviously the video of of Renee doing it with the broom yeah. is is all over the shop. Was is it always a broom? Did you get an, an ironing board yeah, a I kettle? Remember-
2: Renee and I were interviewed roughly around the same time, maybe a month apart or something like that. I can't remember, but like she, um, she actually is a piece of like computer equipment in hers. It's like this little, like, I don't even know what the hell it was to this day. I was handed the same little chunk of metal or whatever the hell it was. And they were like, oh, you have 30 seconds, 30, 60 seconds. I can't remember what it was to make me want to buy this. And I was like, I have no idea what to do because I had never been put in a situation at the college level where I had to, be on camera and do a quick toss to something whatever that just wasn't what I was pursuing I was doing talk radio and I was doing play-by-play on radio and every once in a while on the Big Ten Network so that just wasn't my expertise so that's why I, I prepared so heavily for the play-by-play and then everything else I was kind of like Ugh. I walked out of the interview being like this could go either way they could never call me again or who knows so uh, that it was June 2012 I auditioned in they finally offered me a deal so i was like wow i was a long summer uh hoping that something would happen
3: yeah they left you hanging for a while on that one didn't they
2: uh, but you know you know how things are in terms yeah. of corporate the corporate world whatever country you're in is that sometimes things happen really quickly and sometimes there's a there's a drag and i was like Yeah, oh, that's all right it worked out
3: <laughs> so as a young man uh your your parents didn't like you watching the wrestling what's the reaction well, from home to you doing the think wrestling? about it i mean like the
2: product regardless of company that was on the air in the late 90s oh, yeah, thousands. Yeah. It was the proverbial sex, drugs, and rock and roll era of wrestling.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah, they were not okay with it, uh, which I completely understand in retrospect. So I played WWF No Mercy on Nintendo 64, WCW versus NWO Revenge, also on Nintendo 64. I still have my Nintendo and both those games in very good working order. I'll probably be buried with the system. Uh, So yeah, that was my only connection to wrestling. And even then, this is back when like Blockbuster Video existed. So I'd have to go rent the game frequently and with my allowance money. So basically with my parents' money and they would eventually be like, okay, you're always renting this wrestling game. You know, we want to see this like crap. So I have to show them the game. And I think I did Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold Steve Austin to like show my mom like, hey, you know, it's like, It's he's an American, you know, like, oh, gosh, you know, like it's pretty PG, whatever. And I've like picked an arena that was brightly lit and stuff. And if you if you've ever played that game for anybody listening, um, the characters bleed pretty easily. And all I I was doing was just punches and suplexes and just trying to keep it simple. So it wasn't anything violent. And then uh, I was Kurt Angle and I'd punch Stone Cold. Stone Cold starts bleeding. I'm like, damn it. And I can already feel my mom going. And then uh, the Stone Cold character does the double birds, which I didn't think about. I was like, <laughs> no. And she was like, yeah, we're definitely not buying this game. So uh, I was devastated. Uh, the aforementioned friend uh, who I went to see the pay-per-view with, he owned the game. So I would just go over to his house and play it anyway. And then my dad was really cool. Like a week later, he was like, I bought
3: you the game. Oh, my. Ah, oh, what a guy. Who's, yeah. um, who's your go-to player on No Mercy?
2: Oh, God, it's been a while I, I spent my brother and I spent so much time creating characters uh, that we would just have a blast with just making a million different odd characters. I remember he made a character named Uncle Sam that was basically if you made a seven foot tall version of Kurt Angle that meshed with Scotty too hottie that was essentially the character and it came out to i'm a real american uh the character had like the usa singlets and all that stuff but for some reason the scotty too top hat and hair uh it was a hell of a combination so we had a lot of fun with that stuff
3: amazing amazing i'm glad that i got to talk about creator wrestlers with yourself today it wasn't on my bingo About card it. for 2022 but we here we love are. love
2: creator wrestler
3: it's great it's great it, no mercy i mean i'm enjoying 2k22 at the moment but no mercy like yourself is is a is a firm favorite like,
2: oh yeah 100
3: uh back to the actual wrestling so you're you're in the company now you're part of wwe and and you know, you you've done every, you did everything for that company. You did you pretty much did every single role there was to do. And your second match, I believe, because you 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 know, not to show how the sausage is made, but you've already told me what your matches are, so I know that the the second match we're gonna do is one that you called within WWE.
2: Yeah, uh, NXT Takeover Dallas. Uh, I believe it was 2015. It was uh, the match in particular, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. Uh, Honestly, to this day, probably my favorite environment in terms of the fans, the setting, the production of the entire show. I mean, everything just felt great. I called that with Corey Graves uh, to this day, one of my favorite moments and uh, uh, my favorite partner to work with uh, in in wrestling. No no disrespect to anybody else, but um, that's my guy. And God, it was this amazing combination of Sami Zayn is... People know he's leaving, he's getting called up, but like, we're not saying it, you know, nobody is, I don't, I don't even know if he was getting advertised for Raw or SmackDown at the time, I might be wrong, but there was just internally, we knew it was on the dirt sheets, et cetera. And then Shinsuke Nakamura, all that had happened was just like a cut in video on NXT of Shinsuke saying, I'll see you in Dallas, I'll see you at TakeOver. So we never even saw Shinsuke live in the house. And as you can imagine, they had to build his entrance. They had to get him his music, et cetera. So everything was brand spanking new in terms of the presentation. And the audience just in a split second took to it. They're singing along with his music. Everything from Greg Hamilton's ring announce on his entrance. Everything was just perfect. Graves and I are losing our minds as the entrance is happening because we talked through a lot of Sammy's entrance. But even then, the crowd is singing. Sammy's music is very easy to sing along to and we just kind of laid out once his music died because like there was the crowd was up and you could feel that rumble and then Shinsuke comes out and we didn't say anything in Shinsuke's entrance because they were going nuts and it was one of the things that you don't see often on Raw or Smackdown and it was a it was a choice at the time I remember uh, Graves and I had called um, a match between Finn Bauer and Samoa Joe I think it was was later in that card, if I remember. Um yes. And and we also did not say anything for both entrances because you had the Demon Balor um, doing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of theme. And then I just thought the juxtaposition between that character and Samoa Joe's <laughs> entrance, I was like, I don't want to say anything. It just feels like the tension in a movie when the bad guy and the good guy are coming out for the the big fight scene and you feel those tones but nothing's being said i i just love those moments where god you don't have to say anything because the moment speaks for itself
3: i think there's a lot that um commentators can learn like if they're breaking into the the commentary world is the power of just letting things just be quiet like not having to fill every single beat Mm -mm. sometimes the best you can say is absolutely nothing.
2: One of the best calls of all time is Michael Cole. um, When the undertaker streak was beaten by Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 30 in new Orleans, all he said was the streak is over on the three count. And then they didn't say anything for a good three minutes because he didn't need to. And then even recently in impact wrestling, we went off the air for, I think it was the sacrifice event, Josh Alexander, comes back, jumps moose, takes him down with a C4 spike. You know, he's coming for the Impact World title. Josh Alexander cuts a promo and he's like, I will have my revenge and I will be the next Impact World champion. What are we going to say on commentary that's any better than what he just did and said? I I love those moments where the creative, the production, it all comes together and it's just perfect. And you don't need any more enhancement from commentary. That's what commentary is at the end of the day. It's just how can we amplify this soundtrack just a little bit more and if you don't need it you don't need it
3: how do you go about prepping uh for for commentary because i know everybody does it differently and and some people uh will will happily just go in and go ah we'll just i'll I'll wing it but I, i know all i know about yourself is that you are you you're one of those that does very much you know you bury in the detail before you start
2: Yeah, I'm very, very much obsessed with that, especially whenever there's like a first time ever sort of situation, I find it really important to explain the gravity of that. We recently had Eddie Edwards versus Rocky Romero on uh, New Japan Pro, uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling on Impact uh, on Access, I think last week, And uh, the gravity of that match is very, very cool because it was leading up to, we obviously have Ishii versus Edwards this Friday at the Multiverse of Matches, which I'm stoked to get the call. So it's this little preview of what we're going to see at Multiverse of Matches. Great. I can sell the event accordingly. Here's all the information you need for it. But then also it's saying hey, Rocky kind of understands this guy. He used to be a tag team champion with Davey Richards and there's that connective tissue. So I'm like, great. How can I amplify the storytelling in a way that might make it a little bit more uh, you know, fun for the audience and just kind of let their mind wander? And then you get into calling the match. Um, I'm not big on trying to find out ahead of time what is going to happen in the match step by step because the old adage is, stuff happens. People get hurt. There are ideas uh, that don't get adhered to. Time gets cut. Time gets added. A million different things can happen. And even the best intentions don't always translate to exactly what you plan. So if talent or agents are like, hey, I've got X, Y, and Z, I will listen. I will take notes. But I'm not sitting there being like, it's going to go exactly like this. And I better be married to every last detail here. It's really important for me to just take it within the moment because what happens live is what happens and you cannot get tethered to ideas that might have happened hours ago
3: uh this is of course we're talking about uh, some of the, the work you've been doing as impact but to wind it back a bit and uh, reflect a little bit more on your time with wwe uh, you you managed to work your way through and uh, i believe the title that you had at the end was on air as uh, the senior manager of on air announced talent uh Mm -hmm. which 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 the age that you're at is you know to be senior anything is quite is is quite special
2: yeah i think it's (laughs) because of the gray hair uh, on the side (laughs) so that's why it fades really handy uh
3: (laughs) what what does that title mean though uh
2: in short uh, you know uh, i think it's pretty public knowledge that michael cole is in charge of the broadcasters in wwe so i was his second in command so i was very very fortunate that i was given that opportunity um i forget when it was formalized but just to be able to have that chance to move down to Orlando, Florida, to be able to work with announcers out of the WWE performance center and be given the trust to recruit and train and work with all these different announcers at that age. Uh, you know, I think I was 26 or 27. So I was like, okay, like it was a huge responsibility and I learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes. I felt I had a lot of successes as well. And that's just life. Um, I mentioned the triangle ladder match working with, You know, Edge and Christian and all these guys. I sat in that booth and I worked with Christian on his commentary because he uh, did panel work as well. So we worked with him a little bit. Um, I worked with Beth Phoenix extensively over Zoom throughout the pandemic to try and help her with NXT. Uh, Edge is sitting right there listening. And I'm like, don't mess up. It's just two Hall of Famers, you know? (laughs) So uh, it was trial by fire. And there's ups and downs with all that stuff. But Uh, I'm so grateful I got that experience and it taught me a lot about, um, you know, what it is to actually lead and manage people. And like I said, probably made a lot of mistakes and hopefully I had some successes and uh, I'm just so glad I got to work with everybody that I did there and now bringing it forward to my time and Impact, it's not my role. And uh, it's it's nice. I I like being a talent. I like being on air and um, having input in certain things when it's asked for and it's just different it's just a different environment but I'm really glad I got that experience
3: yeah you uh, what I've heard is, is is nothing but love for your time there for your nine years in WWE oh. there were a lot of really wonderful memories and and near the end especially um you were everywhere because the pandemic hit and they leaned really heavily on you during that really weird time it led to you you know calling your first Wrestlemania main event which is amazing yeah. but that must have taken a toll as well
2: it was it was complicated um just because i have said it before that wwe announcers have to be on top of every weekly product every announcement you know uh, just before we started recording this the steiner brothers announcement got uh made public for the hall of fame so you have to be up to speed on all the news you have to be up to speed on the storylines characters who does this who does that and it's Some people might be like, oh, okay, well, why do you need to be watching, you know, 205 Live or NXT UK? And I was like, because when the pandemic hit, I called five out of six shows, five out of six weekly shows. I think everything except SmackDown at one point. And part of it was availability. The the pandemic was, you know, uh, knocking people out here and there for weeks at a time. And I was fortunate. I danced around that for quite some time and I was able to stay healthy. Myself and Byron Saxon jumped in on NXT a whole bunch. Uh, and it just led to some interesting opportunities where uh, you know, working NXT with no crowd and we did the something with uh, the brozer weights. I think it was like Riddle and Thatcher or something like that. And
3: I think Oh, that was where Pete Dunn couldn't Pete Dunn ended up not being able to either get back in the country or you went back. Right. And so therefore you had Timothy Thatcher come in as Riddle's tag partner to kind of yes, continue the story yes. there.
2: Thank you for jogging my memory. And Byron does <laughs> Byron's hosting it. And I did my best impression of Don Pardo from, uh, from Saturday night live introducing, it. and it was just so much fun. And that, and that's a credit to triple H and the entire creative team. there, just making something out of nothing in a lot of situations. So uh, it, there was a lot of stuff that was really fun. It was definitely very nerve wracking. Cause I think like a lot of human beings on the planet early in 2020, we didn't know what was going on. We really didn't understand how to handle it. We didn't understand the gravity of it. So, we were just trying to get by, and the beauty of working in WWE is that you can just get lost in this fantasy land for a few hours, a couple of days here and there, and it was a really welcome relief at the time.
3: How are you with all of that, though? Because I found that I, in a similar capacity, I worked from home pretty much throughout the entire uh, pandemic, where some people got uh, they got furloughed and stayed at home and, and made money that way. Like I felt like I actually worked more during the pandemic a bit like yourself and the burnout was real like i was like i never felt like i ever came off the wheel uh did some did you go through something similar and if so how did you sort of push through that
2: um i think those first six months of the pandemic we were fortunate in that like the the shooting schedule was only every two weeks but those days where you're shooting you're shooting two episodes of raw in a day so it's like you have to come up with six hours of content and it takes more than six hours to obviously record that. So those days were intense Um, to then have time to go home. And then you would do voiceover edits from home uh, was one thing. So like there are parts of the schedule that were like kind of nice because remember WWE and most wrestling companies work every single week. So it was kind of nice to not have to be traveling all the time, but at Mm. the same time with the pandemic, we didn't know if you're going to get a call the next week of, hey, we're stopping the show. We can't do anything. We've got to shut everything down. Some people were scared to be traveling all the time. And I think there was definitely that burnout for some people. But I don't know. I think I, I think I really needed uh, the job at the time as some sort of relief and something to do. So I jumped at every opportunity I could get to contribute on a lot of different shows. So, um, But yeah, I think the burnout is something a lot of people experience, whether you're sitting at home in front of your computer and you just never go out. Like you said, you, you just want to go to a pub just
3: go around to a the pub, corner. mate. just want to you a just pub. go
2: do something normal. And, uh, that, that wasn't possible for a very long time. So, uh, nothing is normal in the wrestling world, but, uh, I'm very grateful. I had those opportunities because if you can work in that environment, you can do freaking anything. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: You talked uh, very quickly there about um, about working with Triple H on NXT. Uh, He was very much a driving force. He last week announced his retirement from wrestling. Uh, I wondered if you had any particular memories, stories of working with Triple H on NXT, stuff that you look back on that always makes you smile.
2: Um, Yeah, I I loved working with Triple H. He gave me so many opportunities, uh, especially within NXT, to, uh, to grow, to fail, to succeed. So I'm extremely grateful for that. I think the one thing I'll... Uh, always hold very dear was uh the we talked about the pandemic april of 2020 unfortunately there were a myriad of layoffs um and some within the announce team it was a very difficult day for obviously those people that lost their jobs that were furloughed so i'm not going to underscore that um uh, underestimate that but at the same time having to interact with those people um having to be left you know still standing there's that's Thing people talk about in terms of survivor's guilt or something like that. Yeah,
3: survivor's remorse. It
2: it broke my heart because there were a handful of people that, um, you know, uh, I had recruited and had only been in the company for a very short amount of time. And I remember Triple H just checking on everybody that day, everybody. And I I was not okay. And he calmed me down and he just, you know, pulled me aside and had some very nice things to say. And I just uh, I'll never forget him for that. So I appreciate that.
3: Um, you went through a similar thing. Uh, it was last year. Um, if you don't mind me just asking, and then we're, we're going to move on to, to brighter things because there's lots of bright <laughs> things. Um, how did you? How did you find out that you were being let go?
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, I was flying back from a show. Um, I can't remember what it was. Uh, I got an email that I had to uh, hop on a call uh, with uh, human resources. And you usually don't get that call for any reason other than that. And unfortunately I'd been on the other side of that a handful of times through my time, as you talked about it was a manager within the announced team. So I'd been on the other side of that fence. So I kind of knew what was coming and it was still just, I think I'd landed, got home and it was a couple hours, maybe until that phone call happened. And I was still just kind of like, like trying to wrap my head around that this is happening. Then even the phone call, it just, happened i knew exactly what was going to be said how it was going to go because i I'd, I'd done it and that's you know the, the oh. double-edged sword there so uh i think once the phone call was over uh i just i genuinely felt this overwhelming sense of relief and in a good way this kind of like what do i do now um so it was just it, it was really difficult the uh response on social media I, I never would have guessed what was going to happen. I was blown away. I had so many people reach out to me personally. Uh, I was blown away because I, I thought for years within WWE that, um, <laughs> that fans didn't really care for my work. <laughs>
3: oh, so my. Uh,
2: to see fans say that, and then especially colleagues, uh, uh, Dax Harwood from FTR said one of the nicest things about me. I can't remember it verbatim, but just, uh, that broke me. I started crying, uh, you know, I, a lot of guys that contacted me and I, I called up that day that just uh, were so supportive and been supportive to this day. And, you know, a lot of people talk about mental health nowadays, and I'm a big proponent of it. I've been in therapy for two plus years and uh, having so many people check in on me for months and months and months now, you know, uh, approaching a year just to check in and say hi and how are things going, et cetera. It, it does a world of good for anybody in your life. So I encourage people to
3: do that speaks volumes for the impact that you made that they do
2: it was it was very uh it was very humbling i was not expecting that
3: so uh from and you mentioned that you know the relief that washed over you because i think the with the schedule that that you cut as part of wwe that is all there is it is literally just that and i know that you've got you've got passions for for voiceover in multiple different places and to to explore more more sports broadcasting as well uh in terms of like the video game stuff because i I heard you in an interview talking about how you were you were keen to get into video voice acting and it never i never realized it when listening to you until like more so we're talking today like how baritone you are (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and, and I say it as and a compliment. I'm just getting
2: over a cold, too, so it's even more amplified. Oh, yeah. oh,
3: extra baritone, then. <laughs> extra baritone. And would you consider taking that baritone to, to do video game stuff? Or is that a conversation oh, that I- you've now had?
2: I'd love to. Um, I won't dive into specifics, but I've spoken to a bunch of different places and it's just a matter of hoping somebody will, will give me a chance to do something. So uh, I've been a big video game fan since I was a kid. I think I've purchased just about every version of EA Sports Madden franchise. So my family has just poured money into EA Sports. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would love to do something like that. And admittedly, I do need to take the time at some point to uh, get educated and take classes on it. And I've reached out to a lot of different people about that because I think the misconception is just, oh, well, go ahead and just talk. You have a deep voice or something. I was like, no, there's a lot that goes into it. So I need to uh, to learn about it. But yeah, this, this baritone has been going on since I was like 12 or something like that. <laughs> I remember calling uh, a friend's house for homework and getting hung up on three times by a father. And then the mom <laughs> picks up and it was like, Oh, it's Tom. Oh God. Yeah. We thought it was a 40 year old man calling the house. Like, <laughs> Great. Just do for- the
3: homework?
2: Can like- <laughs> I deal with this
3: through high school? Awesome. <laughs> but it's, I was just curious as to whether or not, but I'm glad that there's some conversations happening. Do you have any heroes of voice acting or is it more just like a, a general fascination with it?
2: I have a general fascination with it. I forget the name of the man who's now the voice of uh, Kratos and God of War. Cause I was playing that not long ago. I forget the name of the voice actor. And it was funny because apparently the voice actor just changed. Um, but I was like, I couldn't believe the baritone in his voice, like unbelievable and uh i always enjoyed seeing uh god what was it in the grand theft auto 5 game um i forget the name of the the actor but he wound up on snowpiercer
3: okay i can't remember I think, his name i've just uh, looked he, up the the kratos voice actor. It's christ i think it was i think it is or was christopher judge it i think it is now christopher judge
2: i think um he is a, an amazing voice like he sounds like zeus so uh and he's playing kratos so that makes sense um but yeah the I forget the name of the actor he's on Snowpiercer or was on Snowpiercer I don't know if the character is still in existence but and he also played um was it Terrence in Grand Theft Auto five I forget the name
3: of the character in that and I'm uh, oh sure um no no oh Sean tube Sean tube no okay no, is it him I think I'm not sure he it played, was he was Terrence in GTA five
2: Te- yes, yes, and I think oh, yeah. I'm getting the character correct in GTA 5. I might be okay. butchering all of this. <laughs>
3: uh, Stephen Ogg. Yes. I think. Yes. Or Terry Thorpe. Either way, I know who you mean. <laughs> yes. For, to see him to hear
2: him first of all in Grand Theft Auto uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, which I played till I was blue in the face, and then to be a, you know watching the Snowpiercer show and I was like, I recognize that guy. And to see him go from voice acting to conventional acting, I was like, there's not a lot of people that get to do that. So I think that's really cool. And it, and, the, and the thing about the voice acting world is that it's more and more based on big time Hollywood celebrities that are lending their voice to something, you know, The Rock, obviously, in Moana. So those jobs are more and more going that way, which is fine. But it's just learning a little bit about the space here and there and i, I need to devote myself to that
3: you devote yourself as well uh, to some more of your sports love you're working with matt, M- matt Le- mcgloin on pay dirt at the moment yes. which is the podcast that you do how did you guys get together for this particular project then
2: ironically through wrestling uh nice. so he uh he was starting with the xfl in uh early 2020 and as a penn state fan i knew of his time at penn state and in the nfl so i think i tweeted at the time uh, thinking very highly of what he was going to do in the XFL. So he tweeted back and um, he had me on another podcast that he did at one point, And he's a big wrestling fan. And I believe he's done some work with Sky Sports, if I'm not mistaken, over there in the UK. So
3: very likely the name does ring a bell. Like there's only a handful he's... of people that do sort of the football, the American football coverage on Sky Sports. So yeah, that will probably be would... one of them.
2: You would notice a redhead quarterback. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think
2: in uh, in July of this past summer, uh, he reached out to me. He was like, hey, you know, I have this opportunity from the Believe Podcast Network. Would you want to do a Penn State podcast with me? I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to do something that I care about. I love Penn State football. I can talk about it in a fun environment. And it's really helped me learn what I want to be on the other side of WWE in terms of, for a while there, I was like, okay, well now I have to be a, a uh, uh, hard and fast journalist and I have to have the facts and I'm a reporter now. And I was like, a couple months in, I was like, that's, that's not you. You were doing entertainment for the longest time. It's okay to be an entertainment. It's okay to be a host and you come prepared, but at the same time, try and offer that entertainment factor that I learned at WWE and from pro wrestling. So it's been a lot of fun, man. We do it every week. Uh,
3: with that, uh, with that particular podcast as well. I mean, is there, is there other sort of broadcasting We've obviously talked voiceovers, but other podcasts or other broadcasting outlets you're looking to get into or trying to? Uh,
2: definitely, yeah, definitely trying to get into other, you know, broadcasting networks uh, as time goes by. Those are continued conversations I have with my my agents. So uh, just seeing what comes up, uh, it's been very challenging just because last summer uh, we all thought the pandemic was over. So naturally, everybody that had uh, not had the opportunity to work in broadcasting I uh, was getting back into work and then obviously I had entered the job market. So uh, complicated time to dive into things, but uh, I've been really fortunate. I've got some opportunities here and there. We talked about ESPN radio earlier. Uh, I'm just so grateful that that came around and it's just been a really good experience. And Like I said, that was something I dreamed about for years. So I'm just trying to build on that and continuing to have really good conversations with as many places as possible.
3: Now, before we get to your third and final match, there's a little something I like to throw at people just to get their initial reaction to these questions. It's nothing bad, I promise. Um, (laughs) As well as taking three wrestling matches with you, you're also allowed to take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. So by luxury item, I mean, it can be something with a bit of um, sentimental value. It can be a bit of tech. It could be something that will just keep you a little bit sane whilst you're on the proverbial island. So in terms of a movie, when I say to you, you can take a movie with you, Tom, what movie springs to mind?
2: Ooh, that is really difficult. Mm. Uh, I would I would have to say Animal House.
3: Okay, so that is why that one?
2: I can watch that over and over again and never get bored and notice little things here and there from from John Belushi and, and the entire cast is just ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I love that movie, and it just never gets old. I know people, it's a cliche to be like, oh, that and Caddyshack are some of the greatest comedies ever, and it's true, they really are, but I have watched Animal House I don't know how many times, and I can continue to watch that until I'm blue in the face.
3: It's a great shout. How about an album, then? <sighs> oh
2: uh <laughs> uh this is gonna be this might be divisive uh uh yellow cards ocean avenue
3: <laughs> oh <laughs> give, why divisive to
2: give I, I think because some people be like oh so lame or something like that i'm like yeah but that's the kid that i was at that age when yeah. that came out and to this day i'm like ah eh, it's still a pretty good album and like uh, I've heard cover bands play some of the, the the songs from that that are more like up upbeat and, and in a bar or something like that, and it's a good time. And if you want to get mellow, you can get mellow. So uh, yeah, that that album never gets old for me. And that's any idea of the kind of emo punk music that I have on a playlist on Spotify. That's a good four or five hours long. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm working with.
3: <laughs> okay, uh, a luxury item then. What are we thinking? Luxury item. I
2: I don't have that many like luxury items in terms of like like flashy stuff or anything. Um
3: I mean you've mentioned your N64 and I'm surprised that hasn't come to
2: Oh that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Nintendo 60 but then the issue with that is a power source.
3: Oh we'll we'll sort that. We'll 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 <laughs> we'll, we'll get that figured out. We'll we'll jump island. through the logic gap and we'll uh <laughs> good we'll make that
2: work let's call it the Nintendo 64 and my entire collection of like GoldenEye Super Smash Brothers every Madden uh WWF no mercy like bring the whole lot
3: absolutely there you go that'll do and uh yeah so let's get to your third and final match then so we have the triangle ladder match from WrestleMania 2000 we had Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura from takeover Dallas what would you like your third and final one to be Tom
2: so this one might be a bit obscure, and uh, you and I were going back and forth about this before uh, we recorded this, is that uh, I forget the year, but it was on mm. the SmackDown Live era. So people will know what that is. It was the fashion police challenging the Usos for the SmackDown tag team titles. Uh, I call that match, I believe, with JBL and David Otunga. It is to this day, one of the funniest matches I've ever been a part of or segments I've been a part of to the point where I was openly laughing on the air, which those are the best moments that you get to do that. Like you want to call the, the match and like narrate the story and be a professional. But like, damn, there's nothing better than laughing openly on air and just not being able to keep it together. It's it's awesome. But I breeze and Fandango who were so freaking funny in that match. I mean, it was ridiculous.
3: Was this the one from Backlash? Because they've had a couple. And there was there Oh my was... gosh,
2: maybe it was Backlash.
3: Because there was one which had Tyler Breeze coming out as as grandma breeze. Yes. That's the one. It's
2: the one because uh, Breeze takes off the dress, throws it, and it gets caught on JBL's head, yes! to which yes. happens an inch from me, and I just start laughing. And then also, if I remember, he was in the grandma dress. He rolls off the side of the ring, goes underneath the ring, and then changes into a janitor's outfit, complete with a bald cap, glasses, <laughs> mustache, mop, the, the overalls and such, and starts mopping in the ring. The crowd could have cared less how logic was thrown out the window. <laughs> they were just like, "What the hell is going on?" Uh, it was great. That whole run with the fashion police was amazing. So yeah, I don't know if it was a SmackDown Live or a Backlash uh, pay per view that that happened. Uh, I can't if they put that on a pay
3: per view, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it made it onto pay per view. I'm pretty sure because it was because oh. they, they became SmackDown Live and. And it was after they'd sort of reset the rosters once again so you was it was, yes. and it was a smackdown exclusive pay-per-view like like back in the early noughties yes god i can't remember i think that was uh, the night that the becky lynch won the smackdown women's title they had the six-pack challenge to open it
2: possibly was that, a, that i was think it, to, uh, the six-pack challenge that aj was champion right
3: no no six-pack oh maybe because i think it was oh no was it ambrose's champion because you had ambrose and aj I oh think, right i think i'm gonna have to google
2: Uh, yeah well i should have looked this up ahead of time i was convinced you know what i
3: should know i'm as as the host i should have oh it's all right but like
2: but dude the fashion police (laughs) is so funny because those guys were capturing something and like we always talk about this in pro wrestling and it's talked about heavily in wwe is capturing what's current what is going to hit with the current audience especially that 18 to 34 demographic They were nailing it every single week, whether it was an old TV show that you'd remember or something current like Stranger Things. They were spoofing stuff and Dango and Breeze to this day are so freaking funny. They nailed that. They turned that into a nice run in NXT as well. To have the ascension as the quote unquote straight men, their foil was just ridiculous. And uh, I remember over time, those Fashion Police segments, initially I was pitching to those video packages Mm -hmm. And I realized how ridiculous these things were. I was like, I can't just sit here and be Walter Cronkite. Well, well, here's the latest installment of the fashion files or something like that. So I had Byron do it. Uh, Not to say that Byron's a ridiculous human, but that's Byron's sense of humor entirely. And it led to some great on cams with Graves just rolling his eyes or throwing his pencil or something. The interaction was great. And Byron being all bombastic. You know, demonstrative and all this stuff, and throwing to these video packages in and of itself was entertaining enough to me. And then you have these fashion police. uh, The fashion files were just hilarious. I love that run.
3: Fandango has, um, or Dirty Dango as he's now known, put out yes the message to the world that he was he was calling time on his wrestling career. uh, I don't know if that's a
2: work or not. Like, yeah. I know Dango, uh, we're, we both have, uh, he's from Maine, I have a connection to the state of Maine, and uh, he's a friend, so I, I haven't reached out to him to be like, because I feel like I'm going to get a text back of, like, brother, you know, but I don't know if it's real or not, because I've said to him for years, you got to quit, quit doing that leg drop, because you're going to be in a wheelchair in a heartbeat, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, he's been doing some stuff with Biff Busick on the Indies. Uh, he's done some stuff in NWA as well, I think, with JTG. So uh, I don't know if he is hanging it up. I know he's got a fantastic career as a, uh, a home builder and an interior uh, designer, and, like, he renovates homes, and he's a real estate mogul now in Portland, Maine. So, like, he's going to be just fine if he doesn't wrestle again. And my uh, the, the health is what I worry about, first and foremost. But, God, what a talent. He's so funny and a great dude.
3: He really is, and it was Backlash 2017 that he teamed with Tyler Breeze to face the Usos. <laughs> I was Thank completely you. wrong. Becky Lynch did not win the title that night. Uh, that is was that the uh, night
2: Jinder one.
3: Yes, that was the night that Jinder Mahal God. became the WWE champion. That particular night, we'd have to he would there hold were, the belt until the UK when AJ beat him for it. I
2: remember that that run was amazing because, like, I, I I didn't know what the finish would be with Randy and Jinder that night. Like, you had a hunch, but you still were like, no way. And like yeah. the crowd that night were they in st louis
3: oh it, uh probably because randy loves randy's randy's <laughs> hometown right yeah you have to um, uh no rosemont illinois so oh chicago okay so yeah. still
2: a, a really great place obviously uh chicago's a fabulous wrestling town um the all-state arena so best place you could possibly do something of that magnitude and i remember calling it be like Oh, my God. Jinder Mahal is a WWE champion. And then uh, the march to that match in the United Kingdom with AJ, which was very close to Survivor Series. AJ's win went over huge with that crowd. Uh, What a run. (laughs) It was just something at the time. We couldn't believe it was happening. And it was working. And, And Randy really did some of his best stuff at the time.
3: It was it was unbelievable. It really was. It was a thing. Uh, we're looking ahead, though, to uh, another unbelievable thing: the multiverse of matches with Impact Wrestling. The wrestling world is descending on Texas, and the the wrestlers are descending on Impact Wrestling because we've got Ring of Honor represented, NWA, uh, of course, Impact represented strongly as well. Uh, numerous other promotions, oh, New Japan, of course, are going to be part of that one. Is there a particular match on the multiverse of matches card, Tom, that you are particularly looking forward to calling?
2: Um, I'm excited for Ishii versus Eddie Edwards because I've never called an Ishii match ever. So I've seen his footage. I know what the Stone Pit Bull is capable of. So to see him versus Eddie, Eddie, who's got plenty of experience in Japan, I think very similar styles. And especially since it's been announced that Rebellion in April, we're going to get Ishii versus Jonah. Talk Aww. about similar styles. I, I'm, I'm salivating. So I'm hoping to <laughs> learn a lot and then bring that forward to Rebellion as well. Uh, I'm really excited for the tag match that's been uh, announced. It's going to be the Impact World Champion Moose and PCO from Honor No More. So there's already friction there against Josh Alexander, who's challenging Moose at Rebellion for the title, plus Jonah, Jonah, who's been in a rivalry with PCO. Uh, Considering some of the footage that just surfaced over the weekend, I think it was at, uh, I forget what promotion it was in, 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 uh, in Canada. Moose speared Alexander's wife at the show, Mm. and and these guys are still supposed to have an Impact World title match at Rebellion, I'm like, if you're Josh Alexander, how do you not try and end Moose at the (laughs) multiverse (laughs) matches? So there's been a lot of changes to the card, and hey, it's the multiverse. There might as well be changes, but I'm really excited about this because there's a lot that could possibly happen.
3: We are really excited to see Tom. What you go on to do in 2022, like, is somebody who has been a big fan of what you've done forever. Like, I'm really happy to see you seemingly seemingly so fulfilled right now in what you do, and definitely the world being so open to you. It's 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 more than deserved. And if people want to come along for the ride as well, how can they get in touch with you? or How can they reach out and and follow you online, sir?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Hannafin, H-A-N-N-I-F-A-N. If you're looking for my podcast and you happen to be a Penn State football fan watching this, thanks for watching this kind of Mm -hmm. cross promotion. uh, That's at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. It's the Pater Podcast with Tom Hannafin and Matt McGloin. And impactwrestling.com for all your ticket information, where to watch. We're going to be on Fight TV exclusively live, Dallas, Texas, WrestleCon this Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. So for those of you in the U.K., you, you know, stay up late or watch it in the morning. I don't care what you do, uh, but the multiverse of matches uh, should be a blast as a part of the biggest weekend in wrestling
3: easy to find Tom Hannaford much easier to find Tom than it is to find a nice pint of Guinness in America Tom thank Uh... you (laughs) thank you very much for joining me today Tom it's genuinely been a pleasure to chat to you thank you thanks for having
1: me